3: Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: I'm Jamil Riddle? Yeah. Tony Johnson. Uh-huh. This is Steve Gilmore. This is Adams. My name is Brandon Mayhem. You watching The Sun on UCF Live. You watching The Sun on
5: UCF Live. You watching The Sun of UCF Live. You're watching Sons of UCF Live. You're watching the Sons of UCF Live.
2: Hello, Night Nation. I'm Trace Strelko. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. We have a packed hour. Let's get right to it, uh, guys. Can I wish you a happy New Year? Even though it's January 13th, is what's the statute of limitations on the happy New Year? No,
4: nah, you get a solid week, Trace, and we got to keep moving.
0: Yeah, we did this already last week, didn't we?
4: All
2: right. So I, that's it. No happy new year to you, but well yeah. packed show nonetheless. Tony Johnson, where are you, man? I see you <laughs> off the top of the show. I do not see him on the bench or on the court, uh, but uh, men's basketball gets the big win over Memphis. We'll be talking about that coming up. Transfer portal, it closes soon, but the Knights remain active in it. Guys, what do you think? Wide receiver Kobe Hudson from Auburn. Uh, Familiar with Gus Malzahn, of course. And uh, offensive lineman Ryan Swoboda out of Virginia. If I'm not mistaken, uh, a wingspan of 6'10". He's his 6'10 guy, right? He's a huge... Big yeah, guy 610,
4: 330, I think, is where he's tipping the scales. Uh, two positions of need, right? We knew receiver was going to be an area losing Titus, specifically, um, losing Brandon Johnson uh, to graduation. We knew that receiver would be a, a need position. Kobe Hudson, a four star recruit, uh, Auburn's leading receiver last year, so comes in, knows Gus. That's a nice, uh, a nice pickup. And you know, additional offensive line depth never hurt anybody. And this kid is 610 from Orlando. Um, that sounds like a giant person. My only concern is will our quarterbacks be able able to throw over him because they're not very (laughs) tall.
0: Mikey is not very tall. He's about half his size. But uh, we haven't seen an offensive lineman this big that's not German in a very long time. (laughs) Usually all our big guys are German guys. And Hudson being the leading receiver, that just shows you he's not somebody that's just leaving because he wasn't getting playing time. He's coming because he's familiar with Gus, and he's coming here to make an impact right away.
2: Are you starting to feel better about the position group's uh, offensive line? We get Sam Jackson back, that announcement last week, and then this addition from the transfer portal. Some areas of weakness, you can certainly see how the Knights are addressing those.
4: Yeah, I think when you think about that, though, Trish, you almost have to take the four super seniors returning as like transfer portal guys, right? Because that they were they're extra. You weren't counting on that. So I think those four plus what Gus has brought in has been nice, particularly addressing positions of need. Sam Jackson, uh, you know, obviously brings a, a ton of versatility back to the line. So um, I think so far. You know sure Tatum bethune i guess is really the biggest loss i mean i guess we could talk about you know the sock salesman but really Tatum <laughs> bethune's our biggest loss right so if you're telling me i lost Tatum bethune but i gained you know four five six seven quality players i love you to death Tatum. but that's a nice trade i'll take that all day
0: yeah we're gonna lose a couple more guys before the thing's over right with all these new new incoming talent a couple of guys are gonna see the writing on the wall they're not gonna get the playing time don't be surprised we see a couple guys leave nobody panic gus has proven that he's able to fill those holes
2: well, of course, the big boom on Sunday was the announcement of Ole Miss transfer quarterback John Rice Plumley. You guys spoke about it on the pod. Do you think we have a little bit of a quarterback controversy going into the
4: spring game? It seems like now there's more juice in that room. I think we have a quarterback competition. I mean, I don't know the, if there's a controversy just yet, but we definitely have a competition now bringing in uh, Plumley, Obviously, returning Mikey Keene, uh, Castellanos, freshman coming in. We don't quite yet know what he's got. So we have a controversy because I I haven't really seen either of those two uh, really kind of battle it out. But we definitely have a competition, which I definitely um, do think is a good thing for Mikey Keene. It gives him a chance. We talked about this in the pod. Gives him a chance now. He's got all offseason. He can bulk up. He can work on his game and I'll have someone pushing him. And and maybe, you know, sometimes competition breeds success. So either way, probably a win-win for UCF.
0: Yeah, it's great for Mikey. It's great for the whole team. And these guys are different style players. So they can even compliment each other. If, say, Plumley comes in and he's not going to be the starter right away, he could still run that wild night package. We've seen what he can do with his legs. So uh, I think it's great for everybody.
2: Well, I wanted to know more about John Rice Plumley, so I reached out to Stephen Willis. He's the host of the Locked On Old Miss podcast. He joins us now on the Sons of UCF Live. You can find him at the Stephen Willis on Twitter. Stephen, thanks for stopping by the Sons of UCF Live.
5: Hey, uh, good to be here. Um, I'm actually in Winter Haven Florida myself, so I'm just right down the road.
2: We've gone all the way to Winter Haven for yes. a guest on what's coming out of Oxford. But um, tell us, a, bring us a little bit of the story of uh, Plumley arriving at Mississippi and, and
5: somewhat where he falls out of favor at the quarterback position. Well, he came in; he was Rich Rod's guy um, mainly because in twenty nineteen, when Matt Luke was the head coach, Rich Rod was the offensive coordinator, and John Rice was recruited to run the Rich Rod system. Now, what we need to remember about John Rice Plumley is the first three non conference games. He didn't play. He actually debuted starting against Alabama. There was nothing hard. So when you hear stories that like, hey, John Rice Plumley can't pass, well, they leave out the part where he had no warm-up. Let's throw get him right into the fire as a true freshman against Alabama on the road in the SEC West. I mean, that's what kind of happened. Uh, then when Lane came in, Matt Corral was just – he's got superior arm talent. He's probably going to be the first quarterback taken. That's the reason he won the job. And the backup is Luke Altmyer this year. And that's the reason John rice Plumley was moved out into the slot position.
4: Well, you said the thing everybody in UCF wants to know, can John rice Plumley throw, we've seen a ton of highlights. He seems to be running for a million yards of carry, but uh, we haven't quite seen him uh, rifle that right arm back. So can he throw the football?
5: He can. He can. Um, he wasn't asked to do very much whenever he was the quarterback because Richard Rod honestly didn't throw the ball very much. But if you watch the highlights in 2020 against Vanderbilt, you can see him throw a nice little seed 20 yards down the field on a post route um, to a receiver for a touchdown. Um, he can do it. He just needs to be developed. Now, he's never going to be the guy that progresses through four reads and picks out a guy and throws the ball. You're going to need to split the field. Give him a um, one read, either throw it to him or him or run. And the benefit for you guys, I think, I thought that Gus Malzahn <laughs> was most effective at Auburn whenever he had quarterbacks like that, like a Nick Marshall. That, that team was extremely dangerous, and that was a John Rice Plumlee type of quarterback playing at Auburn then. And they almost won the national championship with them. We've had a transfer
0: come in from Notre Dame a few years ago, Brendan Wimbush. He was supposed to be the starter right away. I think a lot of people are anticipating Plumlee to come in and be the starter, but he got moved to receiver. You never know if he's going to be the starter here all year. How was he as a receiver in case we have to move him there
5: ourselves? Uh, a work in progress. Um, he, he didn't actually um, play a whole bunch at receiver. He returned some kicks. Um, but it was a work in progress of him learning the position. Now he would have played probably a lot more next year if he would have come back to Ole Miss, but at UCF, um, I, I think he genuinely wants to play quarterback. And the problem that you guys are going to run into, and the problem that he is going to run into, he also wants to play baseball. And I just don't know at this level if a quarter if you can play quarterback and baseball, because you need those reps in the spring.
2: Well, you uh, you brought up baseball there. What kind of baseball player is he?
5: He's an extremely um, fast guy. Obviously, he's a great defensive player. He hit in the low low to mid two hundreds, um, but he got better. Like he improved his swing. He he was at the point where he goes, he might hit two seventy five, two eighty this year, and that'd be about right. But he ended up being the guy. Everybody was talking about Jerry and Ely and John Rice on um, playing baseball, and Ely was the guy with the upside. The guy that came in that actually contributed to the team was John Rice Palmley.
4: I've never seen someone have, have one of those goodbye graphics that was like five pages, and, uh, and John <laughs> Rice uh, pulled that off in his announcement. But he seemed like he was really beloved by his team. It seemed like uh, the Ole Miss fans really kind of uh, loved him and embraced him. What kind of teammate is he? What kind of, what kind of fan favorite was John Rice at his time at, uh, at Ole Miss?
5: Uh, he's absolutely a great teammate. No matter what he does, if he's sitting on the bench, if he's playing, he's going to be a great teammate and he's going to be beloved. And the same goes for the fan base. The one thing that you need to know, I don't know what y'all do with the coaches show, but we do a show called the season. If anybody is curious about John Rice Plumlee's personality, go to YouTube and look at the season for 2021. He's on there nearly every week. He's a ham for the camera. He he genuinely likes the attention, Um, but yeah, if you want an idea of his personality, that's a good place to look.
1: <laughs> you you
5: um, describe him as a leader on that team. When he came in, you're the quarterback. He used to come
0: in here and take the reins. You, is that his personality? Is he more of a lead by example
5: kind of guy? Uh, he, he's a, he He's a vocal guy. He's a vocal guy. He'll go out and do stuff and you're and just like, okay, okay. Like um. whenever he wasn't playing baseball, they do – Something in the fifth or sixth inning, uh, a song on the that has a dance routine that everybody gets into, and all of a sudden John Rice Plumley is down by the first baseline doing the dance routine by himself. He, I mean, uh, he 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 definitely uh, wants the eyes on him, and he, he's not going to shy away from being a vocal leader at all. You just need the actual performance to back up the words, I think. That, 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 that's the only thing issue he would have at um, UCF because he hadn't done it down there. They don't know him.
2: <laughs> well, what we've seen of him is he's not afraid to lower his shoulder and uh, gain some yards with his legs. Talk more about him as a runner, what you might expect Knights fans will see from him uh, in
5: 2022. Um, the 2019 LSU game, um, and that LSU team is probably the best team that has come through college football in the last 50 years. And he ran for 220 yards, three touchdowns and completely lit them up. Ole Miss had no business being in that game. And at one point in the fourth quarter, Ole Miss was down by eight or nine or something like that. And you actually just saw him get faster. These five-star players for LSU are trying to catch this, this smallish guy. And he's just running away from them. And, um, I mean, it, it beat all I'd ever, ever seen. He's he's a guy, at this point, he is trained to read once, run. That That's how he's been trained to this point. Um, if he can develop read once, read twice, then run, you might have something.
4: Steven, a little off topic, another UCF oldest connection. Uh, former UCF great Kevin Smith was on the staff for Lane Kiffin as a running backs coach, announced this week he's going to be leaving to go to Miami. How big a loss is that for Ole Miss? I mean, Kevin seemed like a really solid running back coach, good recruiter. How big a loss is that for Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin's staff?
5: Yeah, honestly, I don't want to take away from Kevin Smith. He, he was a heck of a football coach. and He was absolutely beloved. But it's gotten to the point in college football where an assistant coach is, repl- is almost plug and play because it's not a situation where you spend four years building the program and those relationship because everybody knows what the one-year transfer rule, um, whoever is the star recruit of that guy is going to go today. Henry Parrish popped into the portal. He's probably going to go to Miami. And knowing that I'm, I'm not overly concerned on, about an assistant coach. I do like Kevin Smith. I think his energy and the, um, the way he taught pro mindset to Jerry and Ely and Snoop Connor helped him out immensely. And um, also, I, I remember watching Kevin Smith in college, and he was just a fun back to, back to watch. Before the
0: show started, we talked to you for a minute. You said you remember the 97 game with Dante went to town over there, and we almost beat you guys. Mm-hmm. Since then, recently, we've beaten Auburn, we've beaten Georgia, we've beaten Florida, all in bowl games. In my opinion, we beat LSU if, if Mackenzie Milton's healthy that day. What is the view of UCF from the all Miss side?
5: Uh, well, right now, I view them as the best team in Florida. Um, and it's completely earned because right now, Florida, Florida State, and Miami, they're all, I hate to say it, jokes. I mean, you're talking about somebody my age to where Florida State, Florida, and Miami, at some point, were all in the top 10 every year for like a decade. And now, I mean, they're getting beat by Georgia Southern, Florida State's getting beat by Jacksonville State, Miami's getting beat by dang near everybody. And it's just kind of disconcerting for that, somebody that grew up with that. And that's what you watched because that was the TV at the time.
2: Steven, I like you already. You know, best team in the state of Florida. You're knocking the other guys. You just need to get a home and home with Ole Miss. I know a lot of our fans would love to go to Oxford. Tell us a little bit more about your podcast as we wrap up.
5: Yeah, um, we do things a little bit differently. We're about all about commentary and perspectives. We don't try to break news um, on it because everybody's trying to break news on it. So we just do commentary and perspective. We want to make Ole Miss, following Ole Miss sports fun, again, because – so much with the news breaking, people. It's about what got away, what hypothetical did you miss on? This is more about fun stuff and tangible stuff and stuff you can get behind. And you know, we get perspectives of actual fans on the show from time to time, and we just try to have a good time. And it's it's so far so good. It's been a it's been a lot of fun. Um, but you you know, if you want to follow me and catch me at the Stephen Willis, if you want to see the show, it's the Locked On Ole Miss podcast on YouTube.
2: Well, we're glad you stopped by the Sons of UCF Live tonight. Thanks so much.
5: Oh, no problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks, David.
2: All right, guys. Do you feel better about John Rice Plumley coming in at quarterback in that battle with uh, Mikey Keane and others uh, in the 2022 season?
4: Yeah, I never felt bad. I guess. I mean, it's interesting the way Stephen kind of uh, described his, uh, you know, his offensive style. You know, one read, two reads, and and run. You know, that that certainly fits in with what we've seen Gus kind of do. You know, we had Nick Patty last week, and he kind of referenced like Gus doesn't have the most overly complicated playbook. We're not asking him to to make a, a ton of reads and make a ton of reaction throws. You know, it's really kind of check down a receiver, check down a receiver, and tuck it. So, you know, hearing Stephen talk about that being a strength, seeing the videos that we've seen of him running for millions of yards, you know, certainly optimistic, but you know we got to see how it plays out we got to see how how Mikey responds but I I think the competition element is definitely interesting so um, I was never really down on it but I mean it it helps to understand specifically that his skill sets match probably what Gus wants to do offensively
0: I think there's gonna be plenty of plays drawn up for him to run right away but the thing we never saw too much out of Mikey this year was when the play wasn't there he never really took off with it maybe one or two times we saw him really break a run but this kid is going to be able to do that I like that ability. The fact that he's not able to read defenses yet, um, that's a little concerning, but, <laughs> but let's see if Gus can improve on that. Yeah, of course,
2: Mikey is a freshman, though, perhaps not asked to run the ball, right? So that is a consideration when it comes to Mikey. Maybe that's something that he develops uh, going into spring camp. You know, uh, Plumley brings you the, the running, right? We know what he can do. We've seen the video, uh, the, the running back room. Stronger now with the return of Isaiah Bowser. I asked my question this week: How would you grade the running back? Sixty percent said good; uh, nearly everybody else said excellent. Uh, I'd, I'd say good. Uh, certainly different when Isaiah Bowser was in there, and uh, in his most recent media availability over the weekend, uh, head coach Gus Malzahn talked about how good it was to have Isaiah Bowser back.
5: It was. It was really big. Um, I think it was. It was pretty. Easy to see when he was healthy. Uh, You know, we were uh, really uh, a very, very strong offense. Um, So, you know, he's, he's a game changer. There's no doubt about that.
2: Certainly, fair to say game changer. It was a different style of running, the way he churned and got extra yardage when he was in the game.
4: Yeah. I mean, look, we said it before Gus said it in this press conference, obviously, right. It was a different offense when Isaiah Bowser was in the game and we saw that, you know, take place with Florida. Again, we made this joke a hundred times, but you know, <clears throat> how many times have we seen UCF take a, a drive in the fourth quarter and absolutely just dominate the running game and, and run the clock out. It wasn't something that we've seen really in the previous four or five seasons. And I think Isaiah Bowser is a big part of that. No disrespect to Johnny Richardson or uh, you know, maybe even Mark Anthony Richards, but I don't, I don't know if we get that same drive without Isaiah Bowser. So I think having him back is huge, um, but also having depth behind him, I think is important to us because, while I, I hope it doesn't happen, we understand he's been injury prone. So perhaps having that depth behind us certainly does help out if indeed something does happen, which obviously we hope it does. not
0: Yeah, the only concern with the running back room is there's not enough footballs to go around to all the guys that are there. Like you said, there's so many of them. It's great to have depth in case there's injuries, but if they're healthy, Bowser's getting the ball 25, 30 times a game. That means only a few touches for the other guys.
2: Yeah, Bowser, a man not of many words. Most of his media availabilities are fairly short. So in the spirit of that uh, and in the spirit of raising expectations among Knight Nation, I found a, a soundbite, a quick soundbite in which Isaiah Bowser just heightens expectations
1: going into 2022. I think we, we have a shot of being really, really good. You know, um, you know, I think, you know, championship level is, is where we're going to be at.
2: Uh, we get a question later in the Suns mailbag that's right up UCF Mike's alley uh, in the way too early predictions for 2022. He is saying, though, and we heard it from Sam Jackson and his media availability there, that uh, they have high expectations going into 2022. And if you're Gus, knowing that you bring in Plumlee and you know what he can do with his legs, uh, certainly he's starting to put together those pieces in, in which the offense is, is going to be strong in 22.
4: Yeah, you would think it wouldn't be a talent issue, right? If for some reason things aren't clicking and we're not getting a chance offensively, you would think talent wouldn't be the opportunity or the issue here. Uh, now, again, line play, you know, these, these guys all get to gel together, uh, you know, bringing in uh, some new guys and, uh, you know, perhaps that has to work itself out. But if the offense isn't clicking, I mean, I'd find it hard to say that we sit here and go, we just don't have the talent because it feels like we're either bringing those guys in or bringing the guy, those guys back. So talent hopefully isn't an issue.
0: I love that they're already talking about championship. That is the standard here. We've won this conference four out of the nine years it's existed. This is the longest drought we've ever gone on since we won our first championship in 2007. It's been three years now since we haven't won a conference. So these guys need to go into the season thinking that this is our conference to win. And it should be. We have a lot of the talent coming back. Cincinnati's taken a big hit from their talent. So all the things important point in the right direction why we should win this conference next year.
2: We saw what Johnny Richardson could do with his speed. We saw, you know, sparks from Mark Anthony Richards and Trillian Coles. I think the interesting name uh, out all season with injuries, RJ Harvey, and what he could bring to the team when healthy and when able to return.
4: Yeah, I mean, RJ Harvey obviously was, you know, he, he was the talk of, of fall camp, as Andrew points there on the screen. Uh, and, and he looked to be the guy. Uh, we talked this time last year. I mean, I guess in camp, we weren't talking about Bowser. We were talking about Antavia Thompson and RJ Harvey and how quickly that turned, right? Uh, But let's not forget Jordan McDonald. I mean, he's a a big kid coming in, true freshman. You know, Gus obviously personally recruits this kid, wants him to come to UCF. Uh, We know the kind of talent he is. So I I think there's going to be a ton of guys fighting for carries. And really the only challenge is going to be, you know, at what point, which one of these guys hits the portal? Because there's just so many options, uh, so many guys available that, you know, you you almost wonder how long it's going to take before somebody says, I got to go find options elsewhere.
0: I love that we have some other bigger backs like Bowser now with McDonald and Harvey, where this year when Bowser got hurt, we had to go all to the small guys, right? Johnny Richardson, Mark Anthony Richards are much smaller, quicker backs, but we didn't have that power back like we did with Bowser, but now with the other guys, I think we'll be okay.
2: Let's welcome in a running back from the past, Ronnie Weaver, with the Knights 2007 to 2011. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live, Ronnie. Hey, man. How y'all doing? Doing well. We were just talking about the the running backs in 21 and what it looks like going into 2022. Can you have too many guys there? I mean, Mike just said, how does everybody
3: get some touches? Um, I, I honestly think you got to go with the hot with the hand, right? Um, you got Mr. Richardson back there that's averaging, what, like seven yards a touch? Um, explosive out of the backfield, can catch the ball in open space. I think you have to find a way to utilize all your talents, right? Um, but it's the hot hand. It's it's uh, depending on what defenses you're facing. I think you you got enough ball to go around to to give everybody some some burn in some of these games.
4: Ronnie, obviously Isaiah Bowser, a bigger back, kind of the, the guy who carries the load, the guy who gets extra yards for us. As a bigger running back, are you concerned about too many hits being taken on Bowser? Do you think, you know, to, to your point about Johnny and other guys, do you think we need to do a better job of rotating and, and getting Bowser out early so he gets fresher? Or, or do you think those hits on him are going to be a problem as, as they continue to add up?
3: Um, I mean, there's, there's a point of diminishing returns eventually, right? Um, unfortunately it has got to be something that you monitor. I think he was dinged up, what, three, four games or something like that this year. Um, those hits are going to eventually take a toll. Coach O'Leary always used to say, you can't make the team in the tub, right? So if you hurt, <laughs> um, you can't uh, have a successful running game, right? So uh, I think that we've got to get creative. Uh, maybe that's an off-season schedule, strength and conditioning for him. Um, But, you know, ultimately – He's got to get some reps. He's got to get in a groove. He's a uh, I think he's a momentum type guy. Just extremely downhill. I like him, to be honest with you. And I think that he's going to do a lot to help us, you know, be successful in the, in the future here.
0: Ronnie, when you were there, we had Jeff Godfrey as a quarterback for a couple of years. Now we're bringing in another guy that can run too, plumly. As a running back, do you like having a quarterback that's also able to run? Does that help you, or is that kind of hurt because the defense knows one of you guys is running and they're stacking the box against you guys?
3: Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's beneficial, um, especially if the guy that usually runs can can actually throw the ball a little bit. Uh, it helps out overall. Um, usually, they use a spy player. Uh, they usually use another nickel DB. Uh, they put one person in the box, but usually it's not another linebacker, right? They can't keep up with the with the quarterback. So it, it moves another little guy in the box. So not more traffic, but uh, less bigger hits, right? So from a running back perspective, I'm okay with it, especially if I can get out. Um, I think we did less. You know, you, you just saw a different offense when uh, Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Um, pace slowed down a little bit, less triple option, less, uh, you know, quickness of uh, uh, swift, swift of foot from uh, some of the running backs and the quarterbacks, too. So I think a mobile QB does help in the grand scheme of things.
2: When we talk about playing time for running backs, talk about the importance of being able to block effectively as a running, black, running back.
3: <laughs> um, so, I mean, it was two things, right? Ball security is, is first and foremost important. Uh, second piece is if you can't block a blitzing linebacker, you can't play. And um, I've uh, I watched a couple of our running backs and over the years, uh, especially last year, um, I, I do like the fact that uh, Bowser is a big body. He can get in there, block a whole lot. Um, I haven't really seen a whole lot of uh, blocking schemes with Richardson. They usually run, run him in like a scat uh formation to where it's it's hot pressure quick plays um get him out in some space so he doesn't necessarily have to block i think he's a little bit on the on the smaller side to be handling middle linebackers or twisting sams or things of that nature but uh same deal we've got a everybody's got to share the load on that right and we can't be predictable when uh we're running show we're running certain sets and different plays you know defense can pick up on those type of schemes, so. Uh, I think it's beneficial when you can block. Uh, it, it allows you to stay in there on third down, gives the OC some some different types of looks that we can give the defenses in like a third and five scenario, third and two. Uh, we can get really creative when the running back can not only pick up blocks but get enough backfield and catch a pass out of the backfield, also run to for short yardage gains.
4: Right. Going back to Bowser for a second. One of the things yeah. I've always said uh, about his running style, it feels like he does a great job of falling forward for extra one, two, three yards every play. Even he gets hit, he falls forward and he gets those hidden yards. Is, is that a skill? Is that something that's practiced? Is that something that you just kind of have as a running back? And, and do you see the same thing when you see Bowser just kind of fall forward and, and make a one yard gain, a three yard gain? I mean, he's got away what, 220 or something like that. So he ain't no,
3: <laughs> It's not a whole lot of people hitting him backwards. Um, but, but I mean, it is a, I mean, a skill set, right? Uh, it, it looks to me that he has a great feel for the game. Um, I was watching some games against Florida, um, against uh, Boise State uh, early in the season, too. Uh, he has a good feel for down and distance um, when it comes to those short yardage runs. Um, he'll make a quick move in the backfield, but also fall forward for that one to two yard game. You got to have situational awareness in those scenarios. And I think that he does a great job of, uh, number one, evaluating blocking schemes. And that comes with, uh, you know, he's been around the block for a while. And I think that him coming back and can contribute to helping those younger backs understand what scenarios they're going to come into. It's it's a skill set, right? And just, just fighting for those couple inches. Uh, overall, they do add up to, you know, overall production for that running back. But I think it's it's definitely a skill set that you have, um, you know, understanding where you are on the field to make an impact.
0: After Coach O'Leary left, we saw a complete change in philosophy of the offense. <laughs> we saw Frost come in, hypo, they got a quick pace, throwing the ball all over the field. How much do you love now that Malzan is there back to a power running game style?
3: Um, it's got its pros and cons. I mean, it it is a breath of fresh air to get back kind of to that that feature deal. Um, but at the same time, um, innovation is, is key. And I think a mixture of those two, um, offenses have, have proven to be successful, right? Um, there were times that we ran a, a get up and go kind of fast paced offense. I mean, we had, uh, uh, Greco back at, at QB. Sometimes we had, uh, Godfrey back there sometimes, so we could mix it up in terms of uh, pace and speed, uh, but at the same time, if you got a lead blocker, shout out to uh, Billy Geo um, from a from a from a lead block perspective, and Ricky K. Um, th- those are my guys. But I, I think it's a breath of fresh air to where you know if you have the lineman, which we do. I think I saw a, a snapshot the other day that I we got some six ten offensive linemen, 6'10", 6'9", 6'8". So when you got the size and speed of a, a, a lineman, you can kind of enforce some will, and I think that that's what um, you know the SEC and um, Gus comes from in terms of that type of play style, which is just enforcing your will, and and then um, I think he has the ability to capitalize because he's got some guys from Florida with some speed on the outside, that he can kind of mix it up and and use all of those weapons to his disposal.
2: Ronnie Weaver, loved by Night Nation, and we have loved having you on the Sons of UCF Live tonight.
3: Yeah, no worries, man. Anytime y'all need me, I'm here for you. Go nice, Charge on.
2: Charge on. We will pick him up on that offer. We'll have him back. It was good to see him uh, joining us tonight uh, with his insights. Feel pretty good about the running back position, though, after all of these conversations tonight.
4: Yeah, I think w- once Bowser, you know, opted back in, I think we recognize, you know, the strength that that group's going to have. And I think, you know, Ronnie said the best, you know, finding ways to use all these guys, use the depth that we're going to have. How do you mix and match, right? They're going to have different skill sets. So, you know, how do you, how do you leverage, you know, Johnny Richardson, who's a threat out, out of the backfield to catch a pass or two, right? How do, you, how do you leverage, you know, Mark Anthony Richards, who, you know, while not as big as Bowser, is still 6'1", 220-something, right? So how do you leverage all those guys? And I think, you know, that, if Gus wants to run the football, Looks like he's got the horses in the stable to do that right now.
0: You know, he can adjust his game plan depending on the opponent now. If, if we're better suited to just stuff the ball down somebody's throat, you go with Bowser. If you got got a team that can't cover a running back out of the backfield, then you throw Johnny back there and you burn him that way. So I love having all the different options.
2: A lot of options. Good to have. Let's turn the page now to men's basketball. Pretty lively defense last night for the Knights. They didn't look like they were sleepwalking as they did against uh, Temple in that loss a week or so ago. 74-64 over Memphis. Darren Green Jr., 20 points. It was a funny game, right? They only did not lead this game about 19 seconds. They were really in control of the whole game, but you kept having that nervous pit in your stomach. Ah, they're going to let that game get away in the second half.
4: Yeah, the pace got frenetic down the end there. I mean it was it was a lot of press, a lot of back and forth. You saw some some, you know, balls go off shins and fingertips, and it was kind of fast pace and a few turnovers. But, you know, UCF hung in there, right? You could have easily, uh, I think Darius Johnson had, had a couple of bad turnovers trying to get across half court. Uh, but they came back. They, they played good defense. Darius in particular played really good defense. Uh, Dre Fuller hit a big shot. So even though it got a little chaotic, and, you know, that can happen when you're playing late-game basketball and you got two teams that are very athletic who are going full court, um, UCF hung in there. And I think that's, that's the really key, the key effort is there, there are many reasons why that one could have slipped away, but they didn't let it slip away. And I think that's what we saw a little bit different than we, when we saw last week against Temple.
0: They had a couple big leads. Were, Memphis really never got too close. They cut it down to seven a couple of times, maybe six they got within. But other than that, it was a pretty smooth game overall, clean game, you know, not too many turnovers, took care of things on the defensive end, and we're hitting our shots. When we're hitting our shots, we're going to be very tough to beat.
2: Opening question for me in the post game media availability with Coach Dawkins was more about the defense's play.
3: You know, we got back to playing UCF basketball, you know, full court pressure, get after teams. That's who we are. And I think we've gotten away from that. And so it's good to see our guys, you know, embrace what we do and, and did it real well tonight for 40 minutes. And that's
4: what you want to see.
2: You know, Adam, earlier you mentioned Darius Johnson, just a freshman, right? And this is a team now that had the loss at SMU. The loss versus Temple. This was an important game. Darius was asked, any pressure to to snap that two-game losing streak?
1: Uh, I don't think we were feeling pressure at all because,
3: I mean, basketball is a game of runs, so everyone's going to have their run. But I knew my team behind my back, and
4: we came out strong and fought right away, so I knew we had no worries. Pretty confident guy, isn't he? Yeah, again, he, he played well on the stretch. He was getting big minutes, obviously, with Memphis um, you know, ab- applying pressure. You know, Johnny went with a more uh, ball handling type style lineup, right? So we had Darius Perry and Darius Johnson on the court. You know, true freshman, obviously, if you're Penny Hardaway and you're scheming up, who do you want to attack? Who do you want to go after? You know, who do you think may make a mistake? You'd think maybe they'd go after Darius Johnson versus a what a 60-year senior now in Darius Perry. But He held his own, again, one or two turnovers there. He had a big three uh, as well, uh, a couple of drafts to the lane. So And really locked down defense. I think ESPN Plus did a nice job of showing you know, his defensive pressure. He was switching back and forth on the the top of the key there. So, you know, for a true freshman, he stepped up. I think probably Memphis keyed on him and said, hey, let's see what this kid can do. And he answered the call for sure.
0: Him and C.J. Walker had a very good game defensively, too. He was all over the place, flying everywhere, blocking shots, getting rebounds, doing what he does. He's really settled into his role on this team. He knows he's not going to be the guy that's going to go down there and take the shots all the time. He'll take one or two a game, but he's really – I like the way he's been playing too.
2: A week ago on this show, B.J. Taylor said, relax, everyone, okay? Just calm down. Let's welcome back in B.J. Taylor, who got a pretty good ovation last night at that game, sitting courtside watching his night's play.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was great to be back, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. A um, lot of energy in the building last night um obviously it was great that we were able to come out with the victory um so let's talk some hoops let's get to it
2: all right that opening soundbite from coach dawkins that's knight's defense the way he wants to see it be played
1: can you say that one more time i'm sorry i lost you for a second coach
2: dawkins in his opening soundbite said that is knight's defense the way he wants it to be played
1: yeah no for sure they definitely want to be a team that gets up and down um i think you're kind of seeing that's kind of a you know kind of a dichotomy between you know the team we had when i was there we were more of a you know kind of slow it down feed the pose let's let's grind it out let's play physical um let's make it a half court kind of game compared to them with these guys you know they're a little better when when it's a flow it's a free-flowing game they able to get darren green looks in transition you see guys like cj walker's able to run out and you know kind of be a rim runner so for them you know with this 21 22 team that's really important for them to be able to get out run and get those easy baskets because without it, it makes the game more stagnant. It makes it a more physical half court kind of a grind. And that isn't the kind of team we have. So for, for this year, I think, you know, for them to continue to have success, they got to get out and continue to run in that open floor and get those easy looks.
4: You mentioned Darren Green Jr. He's got a a really sweet shooting stroke, BJ. What, uh, what makes him such a good shooter? I know you've, you've played with him, right? You've, you've seen him practice. What, what about his shooting stroke and what about him just makes him such a great shooter?
1: Well, I think it's a couple of things, right? I think the first thing that Darren does is he usually always takes good shots, right? And for everybody, that's different. Some guys, it might be a shot that's just a wide open look. But for him, anytime he can get a a good base under him, you know, it's usually a good look. So that's the first thing. Number two, uh, whenever you watch him shoot, he always gets the ball kind of in that, in a good set pocket on the right side of his body, right? It kind of starts like on his shoulder and he goes straight up and holds his follow through to the end. And it sounds simple, but you know, you don't see a lot of players do it. The best player I would compare him to is kind of like a clay Thompson, right? If you see clay, clay has that wide base. He gets the ball set at a good spot. And every time he goes up, ball has good backspin, good rotation, and it's always a good looking shot, right? I mean, you guys watch a ball and, and our viewers watch a lot of ball. You can tell when a guy shoots the ball well with consistency because every time he lets it go, you think it's going in. So those are kind of the couple of things that he does. He takes good looks and he always gets his feet set and gets a good base under him and gets that ball into a good set pocket to let it go. He had one of his best games against Michigan a couple of weeks ago. And then the very next game,
0: against Temple, he only scored his first points in the second half. It seemed like we weren't getting him involved enough in the first half. How important is it to get him going early?
1: It's extremely important. I mean, if you look at last night, he had 20 points. The team went on to, you know, shoot 11 of 28 from the field. And he's really one of the catalysts of this team when it comes to scoring, right? every team has guys that the team sort of rallies around when they start to get it going. And he's one of those guys for this team, his teammates, the Darius Johnsons, the CJ walkers. They look to a guy like Darren to lead them so that they can come in and fulfill their role as being, you know, third and fourth scores. Right. But if, if he's not able to get his thing going, it makes it more difficult for guys like Mbake, CJ, DJ, you know, those guys to kind of get it going. I mean, if you're looking at Brandon Mahan, even though he didn't have a good game last night, he's a little more capable of kind of creating his own shot and creating his own look. So he's not as dependent. But when Darren and, and, and B. Mayhan are able to get it going, it takes a lot of pressure off the rest of the team so that, again, guys like CJ, DJ Walker and DJ are able to combine for 24 points last night off the bench. And that really, you know, kind of lifted the team to to success last night, if you ask me, that the 24 points from those two guys off the bench was really the difference in the game. Darius Johnson, a career-high 12 points. What do you like about his game? I like the physicality. Um, First off, that's the first thing you see. I mean, he's physically prepared to play. He has a great body. Um, He's not afraid of contact when he goes to the hoop. Uh, if you watch really good players play, if if you're watching you know, like a Villanova kind of team, they always play off two feet. And Darius does a great job of of getting in the paint, playing with a with a good base under him, and and making good decisions, right? And you're seeing again as a young player that he is, because he's a true freshman, right? He just showed up in the summer, you know, and this was his first time really getting experience in college ball. So you see the the confidence growing. You see the The feeling of I'm able to do this. I'm able to, you know, wave off guys sometimes and say, you know, I'm able to take this look. He had the one play last night where he had it at the top of the key and Bakke was coming to set him the ball screen. And you saw him just wave it off like, no, I got this, man. Let me let me take this and I can get to my shot and get a look. And he made it. And that's the kind of things you want to see him continue to grow and kind of continue to expand upon as the season goes on.
4: Mike Minson, CJ Walker, he, he's a guy, 12.7 boards last night, just brings a ton of energy. Kind of reminds me of Chad Brown from the teams that you played on where the crowd feeds off him. He's just, he's running everywhere. He's making a ton of plays. How important is a guy like that who he's not going to score you 30 points a night. He's not going to you know, be a knockdown three-point shooter, but he just does everything on the court. How important is an energy guy like that to a team?
1: It's extremely important, right? Because if everybody on the team is trying to score, you usually have a bad team, (laughs) you know, every, because everybody gets scored. There's only one ball, right? So when you have a guy like CJ, who's out there, who's going to play with energy, who's going to block shots, you know, who's going to get out there and box out those type of things kind of do, you know, what some people refer to as a glue guy or the dirty work guy. You need that because without it, nobody's doing the dirty work, right? <laughs> nobody's doing it. It's not getting done. It's not fancy. You know, it's it's kind of similar to, you know, offensive line of football, right? They don't get a lot of love. They don't get a lot of praise. They're never going to score any touchdowns. But without them, nothing gets done. <laughs> you know, so if CJ doesn't rebound and then Bakke doesn't rebound, the guards can't get the ball and we can't start in transition. And, and I mean, obviously that's a, that's a great question because it, it's very difficult to get – guys to fulfill the roles that they need to play on their team right you hear a lot of coaches say star in your role but it's not just a cliche it's very important if you look if you look at successful teams that's what they do if you look at gold at the golden state warriors they know what Steph's going to do they know what clay brings to the table they know draymond is going to be their main dirty work guy assists rebounds passing defense and then they have a bunch of other guys that kind of fall into place so it's extremely important i mean it's it's hard to get guys to fall into those rules because everybody wants to score. Everybody wants to drop 20, <laughs> you know, but that's not how it goes. So it's extremely important. And CJ, the way he played last night was great because none of it was forced. It was within the team's concept. It was all from energy. And that's the kind of thing that moving forward, this team is really, you know, going to look for him to do.
0: Saturday, we head over to Tampa for a rivalry game against the Cows. We talk about it in football all the time, how big this rivalry is. You guys get hyped up extra for this game and do you remember what your record was against
1: these guys? Yeah, and for some odd reason every time we played USF, I was always more hyped to play there, right? I don't know why, maybe because I just liked making their crowd shut up. But, you know, <laughs> it was it was always an awesome feeling to go into USF and also it was always a close game for some reason. Whenever we played them at home, the game we you know, we beat them by 15, 20. We would put them away early second half. I mean, I remember one game that was where Matt Williams made like 11 threes and, and, you know, had like 38 points at home. But the away games, it always came down to, you know, a situation where maybe I had to make a big shot or some free throws or we had to, you know, make a defensive play. So it's a big deal playing in a rivalry on the road just because they have pride. You know, you got to throw the records out the window. Once again, that's a cliche. You hear all the times in sports, but it's true. It's a cliche for a reason, you know. I know know they're five and ten. They're zero and three in the conference. But the fact that they're zero and three in the conference, if I'm in the locker room with our team, the things that I'm really trying to impress upon the guys is: listen, they're zero and three. They're very hungry to win. (laughs) You know, they haven't they haven't won in a while. You know, it's like going without eating. You know, if you want, you miss a meal. You get more and more hungry. So they're hungry right now. They're dangerous. So we've really got to go in there from the beginning and really set a tone like like we said last night.
2: And make it a successful road trip because then they go to ECU. You don't want to take anybody for granted. It's conference play. You know how physical it was, and you saw how it played out last night against Memphis. Bring us up to speed. How are things going with skills training? You staying busy?
1: Yeah, no, everything's going great with the skills training, continuing um the high school and middle school students and student-athletes, really. Um, so that's going great on that end. No complaints. And again, uh, my email is on the, on the screen. So if anybody wants to reach out, just hit me up. I'm, I'm willing to help.
2: And Mike didn't bother you with any late night crank phone calls or anything like
1: that? Well, no, uh, well here's the thing guys, first off, I, I extended the offer for Mike to reach out to me and he just didn't do it. You know, it, it was like, I invited you Mike to reach out I thought I was gonna at least get a text like hey man I appreciate last week where you know you kind of you know talked me down you made me feel a little more comfortable <laughs> right Mike because see what what you didn't know was that I knew this day was gonna come I knew we were gonna bounce back we had a week in between games I knew we'd have a good Memphis game like I had faith in our guys so I, I'm just a little bit you know I don't know maybe hurt that you didn't reach out. But it's okay. It's I know it's not personal. I know it's not personal. All right, I'm getting at your number. Is it Adam, personal, after. Mike? It is definitely
0: not. <laughs> BJ, you're my guy, bro. Listen, you've given me the one win in the tournament. I've been following UCF basketball for 25 years. That's my one. okay? That's what I'm thirsty <laughs> for. That's why I, I want more from this team. I want it again. I want that feeling again this year.
1: Well, okay. Well, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Last week, I left off with – it's not time to, to jump off the cliff. Okay. All right. And and this week I'll, I'll temper your expectations a little. Okay. It's not time for us to assume final four yet. Okay. Let's, let's continue to make progress. <laughs> I didn't say final four. Oh, wait. Let's take, just like I know the team is doing, we all need to take it one game at a time. All right. Let's take it one game at a time. I don't want you to buy tickets to New Orleans yet. Okay, it's not time for that. I'll let you know when it's time for New Orleans tickets, but we're not there yet. Let's, let's take it one game at a time. You, get, you know, I can see Trey shaking his head. He's with me. Yeah, we're going to New
0: Orleans, me and you, we're going. I got your first beer, all right?
1: Okay, all right. Hey, <laughs> got
0: to call me to do that, though. Well, gotta-
2: well, Mike, well, Mike might ignore you. I, I message you. I stay, you. I stay on you. the good side of B.J. Taylor.
1: B.J., thanks for joining us. We love your insights here on the Sons of UCF Live. Well, no, thank you guys for having me. You guys have a good rest of your week. Talk to you later. All right, Thanks, Thank you. You,
2: Thanks. all right, Mike. Now you got your mission. After they beat the cows, uh, he's going to regret that.
4: I, that's a yeah, big, that, that was big big a bad mistake. Which one of you big guys mistake. have his number?
0: <laughs>
4: Not me.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll ask him if it's still okay to. Get it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, fact check that, Trace. Yeah, I'll double check. I'll double check with him. Now we're pumped back again with men's basketball. JP Gilbert, our good buddy, uh, all about the women's basketball team. Says they're the best team on campus. Uh, They defeat Houston 62-59, 11-2 overall, 3-0 in the AAC. They've got war on I-4 coming up this weekend at home against the Cows. Uh, Points at stake now in that season-long competition as we move in, you know, spring and those sports beginning. Uh, That's Sunday at 3, then at SMU Wednesday. Uh, Some other notes, men's soccer, a couple of nights uh, drafted in the MLS. Uh, Orlando City picks forward mid Nick Taylor in the third round, and Chicago picks defender uh, Giannis Learman in the fourth round. Good luck to those guys. Softball picked third in the AAC by the league coaches preseason poll. We're coming up on softball and baseball. By the way, did you see that they're uh, adding a new scoreboard at baseball? That work has begun. Uh, which will be good because the other one is just uh, useless, doesn't do anything anymore. And uh, good luck to uh, UCF cheerleading spirit squad. They go for a national championship this weekend here in Orlando out of wide world of sports. So a a good luck to them. Uh, Maybe another banner to hang in the arena for them. Let's open up that mailbag. So we've got Robert again. is is it another? I can't you know, get rid
4: of him, Trey. I mean, every day now a question's coming in. <laughs> Adam, it's Robert. Uh, for breakfast, what do you, I mean? Every day, <laughs> but luckily this is a good one, and I love you, Robert. So let's see what I, I let's see. You guys have not heard this, so this is uh this is a new content for you guys. Here you go. Hey, Night Nation, two letters, two words here, coming to you from the headquarters of the Dallas Cowboys in Frisco, Texas. My question for the Suns is this: You know, a lot of teams caught us in a down year this year between coaching changes, injuries, and a player that decided he wasn't going to play even when healthy. Um, I wonder, given all the pieces that we have returning, who's going to really give us good competition in the American in 2022? Thanks. A
2: plus on the backdrop. I like that. Robert, a little bit more movement. So, Who
4: filmed (laughs) theirs first, Trish? Your walk and talk was at Dolphin Stadium or whatever they call hard rock. Yeah. Uh, Robert's out at uh, at the Cowboys training facility. So not not the AT&T Stadium, the training facility in Frisco. Who filmed that first? Somebody here is copying. I don't I don't I need to know who.
2: Well, I know when I was there Sunday, 425. (laughs) So I I don't know when he stopped by. When did he send you the video? Uh,
4: Not till Monday, but I don't know when he I don't know when he recorded it. So we need to see. Was that was that some sampling going on there? We need to get to the bottom of this. A son's investigation, Mike. Get all over this one. (laughs) I'm
0: mad at Trace. He came down. He passed by my house. Didn't even tell me he was going to the dolphin (laughs) game. Yeah, that was a last last, last
2: minute audible on that one. Uh Uh, Sorry about that. But to his question, uh, it's way early to be looking ahead to who in the American will be competition. But Cincinnati takes a hit for sure.
4: Yeah, obviously they're, they're losing Ritter. They're losing um, – what's his name? The running back. His name escapes me, Ford. Uh, so they're losing some guys. Um, keep an eye on Luke Fickle. The NFL stuff may continue to churn, and that may create one more, one or two more openings. Uh, so maybe he's he's on, on, the, on the move there. I think Houston obviously had a good season. Clayton Toon's been there since like 2012. Uh, mm-hmm. He somehow has more eligibility. I'm sure he's back next year. Um, SMU, I know they took a step back, but they got uh, – um, you know, they, they definitely have some talent that they're trying to bring in there. I think they're always a team to think about, um, cows. Nah, no, never mind. Not never mind. So cool, <laughs> Houston's interesting. They had
0: the easiest schedule I've ever seen in college football this past season. <laughs> How are they going to do next year? Uh, we don't even know if we play them in the regular season yet next year, right? That hasn't come, been released. Yeah. So,
2: I, don't, I don't know if Houston's back on the schedule or not. Um uh, yeah. We've got some uh, Plumley questions in the mailbag. Our buddy JP Gilbert, uh, with your life on the line, would you rather have uh, Plumley complete a 10-yard out pass or hit a single?
4: <laughs> uh, single. I'm going to go with him in a baseball uniform. Yeah, I'm going to go single as well because in the 10-yard out route, Someone has to catch it, right? So he can throw that thing right in somebody's hands and you get somebody who's got the drop C. So uh, there's, there's too many other factors at play there. Signal, it's it all on him to, to make contact. He's got speed. Even he bunts. I think he can get on first base. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check swing, Mike. He just accidentally hits it off the knob of the bat. He may run down to first. I'm going to go single.
0: You guys have never been so wrong in your life. The hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball. That's why if you hit 300, you're a Hall of Famer. If you're only completing 30% of your 10-yard outs, you're never playing football again. He's got to be able to complete that pass. I think that's a way easier thing to do.
2: Uh, Brian W. Peterson, can Plumlee throw? I guess that's the big question. I felt a little more encouraged with our first guest tonight.
4: Uh, I assume he has an arm on the right side of his body that allows him to uh, maneuver a football forward. Can you throw well? I don't know. I mean, again, but we we just heard, you know, does Gus – is Gus going to make him make these tight throws and the tight windows and, you know, read all these these fancy exotic things? Or is he going to go, hey, look to the left if that guy's covered, run. <laughs> and if he's not covered, throw. I think he can probably do that. You do see some highlight tapes. Somebody in our chat said that he threw 33 touchdown passes in his senior of high school or something. So, again, high school talent, I get it. But I suspect he can throw when we need him to. Is he going to be the second coming of, you know uh, – Dante Culpepper, probably not. But as long as he can make the throw when it needs to be made, I think we'll be okay. Mike is just stunned at that answer.
2: <laughs> okay, we'll <laughs> move
4: on. The, the, like, just give me a thumbs up when you can hear me again or just keep your hand in front of me. Okay, I got a choice.
2: Uh, Brian's other question. uh, What do you think is the biggest uh, problem or threat Ah. to UCF success as a program and why NIL or transfer portal? I'm not worried as much about the transfer portal, but the NIL, uh, that is not something that I know that I feel Knight Nation can compete with a lot of programs across the country.
4: Yeah, there's just so much unknown there, and in reality, nil could actually make you go to the portal, right? So I think if you're doing cause and effect there, nil may be the, the first part. And there's to your point, there's so many unknowns, It's not even just you know competition, but you know businesses have to step up. There's going to be different you know uh, fan groups that are are put together and different promises made. And I think that's just going to be a really interesting um, you know phenomenon here the next couple of seasons to figure out what shakes loose there. So I would say with the transfer portal, we kind of get it. You know, we sort of know people may be looking to move on. But I think NIL could actually help to fulfill the transfer portal more. So I'll go NIL as well. At Night Fan 94 do you think we'll see more downfield
2: passing in 22 with a healthy, hopefully, offense and improvements in the quarterback room? Uh, depends on how it shakes out at quarterback. We know what Plumlee can do running. I, the chance of development and growth for Mikey Keene, he knew somebody was coming in, right? Yeah. And this yeah. is his, you know, he, he started a lot of games uh, en route to a nine and four season. Welcome back, Mike. We're talking about uh, what we see more downfield passing in 2022.
4: So I I did some research. I did my research here, Trace. Here is Gus Malzahn's uh, average passing yards per season since he took over at Auburn at 13. Ready? So this is from 13 on 173, 229, 173, 169. In 2017, he had 233, 2018, 225, 2019, 207, 2020, 220. His first year at UCF, we were 206. So he's never really had an offense that allows you to say, oh, wow, we're going to have a 300-yard passer, or a 400-yard passer. I will say this. The two best years that he had – I don't know if Mike's frozen, but he's killing me. The two best years that he had, 17 and 18, is when Chip Lindsey was the offensive coordinator at Auburn. So if there's going to be a a tell in terms of how that works, Chip Lindsey's – move into the offense certainly helped out from a passing perspective, but I don't know why we expect he's going to throw 300 yards. That's clearly not been his hallmark as a coach. My research is complete. Mike, uh, good, are you research. Okay?
2: good research. Mike, are you there? He's there. We're not sure. At Alex Bitter 11 by the way, the emphasis on bitter uh, in this question. When does Dawkins turn the basketball program around? He's been successful. One year here, parentheses, with players he didn't recruit. If we can't even compete in the AAC, what are we expecting when we move to the Big 12? Should we move on after this year if things continue to go downhill? I do not share this opinion. I think Johnny Dawkins is a good coach. I think uh, you see some of the recruits that he's bringing in. I, I don't agree with this with this thinking.
4: I think obviously Johnny's got the, the, the team going in a good direction. Um, Mike's laughter is, uh, is fantastic. I think he's got him going in the right direction. Um, so I, I, I hope that that arrow is pointing upward. I will say this though, Trace, if we have to get rid of a coach, like this would be the year to do it, but let's do it now. If, if everyone says it's not going to work out, let's cut it now. That way we have time to build into the big 12. I'm not saying I want to, but I'm saying if we all say here and say that, that the coach is not going to work out, let's, let's do it now this year to, uh, uh, to, to Alex's point and get it over with, because it, you want you want whoever comes in to have time to build into the big 12. I think Johnny still has some options, still has some opportunity to get better, but you know, if, if we have to cut a coach, let's, let's do it at the end of this year, Mike, your thoughts.
0: I have no idea what you guys are talking about.
4: <laughs> Johnny Dawkins, is he going to make it or should we move on?
0: No, I mean, we can't say we're going to move on right now. We, the guy's in the middle of having one of his best seasons here. Let's see how this thing plays out. I think uh, we make the tournament this year. We win a game. We get the Sweet 16. We, you build him a statue. So it's way too early to say it's time to move on.
2: At Grahalis, Debbie, glad to see we're getting O-line players. Great, Sam Jackson is back. Cole graduated, and transferring. Do we have a backup at center? Speaking of center, Matt Lee named the USA Today All Bowl team. Uh, what about the backup at center? I think we had a guest a couple of weeks ago. By the way, thanks, Adam, for posting those 22, 22 signee interviews. We'll see if we can get more as the weeks roll along. But uh, Caden Kittler, uh, he, he mentioned that he might get some time at center during his interview with us.
4: Yeah, he pencils himself in the depth chart there. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson also dropped that he was doing a lot of work uh, during bull practice, even doing work at center. So we saw Cole Schneider essentially as the a, as a backup center this past season. Maybe Sam Jackson's taking some snaps there. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe they do some internal shuffling and it's uh, Sam Jackson. I don't know.
2: At KTJ9802, what's up with stadium naming rights? Still none. And we're on that uh, one-year anniversary coming up on uh, Terry Mahajer. Still nothing, right? Uh, and that uh, remains a, a big empty
0: space over at the bounce house. Paper and lace stadium coming soon. But a very Is that big breaking disappointment news? This past Breaking year. news, you
2: saved right here to the end?
0: <laughs> we're, we're still in the negotiating phase. Um, there's other wedding invitation companies that are trying to get in our way, like the, the roofing companies were getting involved last year. But that's a big disappointment. We went a whole year without uh, a, t- a name on the stadium where we had one basically lined up right before the season started and we weren't able to use it so that's got to get figured out i mean that's money we're, we're losing out on
2: yeah at uh Salisbury, if the acc kills the expanded playoff by insisting on an 18 playoff and a cynical bid to force notre dame to join their conference as has been rumored he asks, can he still technically continue to blame notre dame for everything wrong with college football that's the wrong
4: answer the rose bowl is who you blame because they just <laughs> screw everything up with that stupid game it's got to be played at five o'clock on new year's but it's day beautiful but it's a Yada, Yada, beautiful Yada, Yada, backdrop, Yada, and, and it says there are mountains in the back i get it the rose bowl is the real answer who to blame
0: the greed is what you blame all the people that are in charge right now just wanting to get as much money as possible for themselves and not really caring about what's best for college football
2: well said oh, serious well, Mike. Jeez. pretty good Wow. Pretty good. Save the series right there till the end. We we wrap up with uh, Wade at 9 underscore black underscore gold. Let's hear those way too early 2022 season predictions. Uh, this is the easiest question on a T for Mike that's ever been asked. 12-0. 15-0. Oh, 15-0. So guys, <laughs> conference championship
0: game, the playoffs. Don't forget those games. Those are the important ones. I don't but know. I mean, the, look. You
2: and JP, at Gilbert, I don't know who goes – farther out of bounds with jp by a mile
0: i mean mean, you're gonna look at the schedule i don't know what the order is yet i don't know when our bye weeks are do we have cold weather games any of that stuff but there's not another team in this conference that i'm really scared of right cincinnati is not gonna be as good and we're gonna be better and then you got the out-of-conference games the two tough ones are at home all our hard games are really at home and nobody's really beat us at home in a few years i don't count those COVID games that we lost to Tulsa and Cincinnati when there was no crowd in there. The last time we lost a game at home (laughs) with a packed house was, what, 2016? The Temple game when we lost in the the last second. So it's been a while.
2: I like UCF fans. We accept the national championship, and then their game's we're just not going to count
4: those. Let's <laughs> do. <two. If> no, <laughs> so no one saw it that it didn't. It didn't happen, Trace. Yeah, I mean, like, I look. I agree with Mike's point on paper, right? Um, and I think a lot of what UCF season will be is probably less about our opponents and more about UCF, right? And just none of us said we we're going to lose to Navy. Yet we figured out a way to make that happen, right? Um, you know, I think we knew Cincinnati was going to be a tough game. You know, SMU. I think we were kind of on the fence with Louisville. I think we weren't really sure what to have there. And a lot of those losses, I think, really have to do with UCF. So, Mike's. Mike's right in terms of looking at the schedule. Nobody really scares you, but what scares you is, will the will the right UCF team show up week after week? Will everybody and their grandmother get injured like they did this year? I think those are the things you can't know. On paper, the talent that Gus is bringing in, the talent we return, the talent we have, you would think that we'd have the ability to be in every one of these games. Seven home games, the game in Tampa, the
2: game in Boca Raton. Nine in-state games, just three out-of-state It does set up for a favorable situation, but you want to see how that schedule when it comes out, you know, is it some sort of uh, short week situation, something that Gus uh, complained about in this season. We had Ronnie Weaver on earlier. You had a flashback to the past with Marquette Smith and I listened to it and it held up. You know, he was enjoyable to listen to a lot of good stories from, uh, from Marquette Smith.
4: Yeah, this is inspired by uh, all you good folks out there in the dungeon. There was a thread uh, recently about you know names you haven't heard from in a while, and uh, Mike did a really good job going through that, and all the names mentioned. We've had a lot on the show. Uh, however, just due to uh, misfortune, we had, I don't know, about 96 episodes wiped away off the internet. Uh, but we still have all those interviews, so you know we, we want to bring some of those back and, and sprinkle those in. And for those who don't know about Marquette Smith, I mean, we know the transfer portal now is a big thing, right? He was really one of the original, original transfer guys, came from Florida State, really was a, a you know, bell cow running back and helped set UCF up. And, you know, and Marquette kind of leads into Dante, which kind of leads into his career as well. So he was a, a building block for UCF. So if you haven't checked that one out, um, even two letters, two words said he loved it. So what more can I tell you? A hometown
0: hero. is a guy that came back to Orlando where he's from to help the hometown team. That's what we're trying to get now. That's how we're trying to build this team. That's how this team was built in the early days, too, with guys like Marquette. So I, I enjoyed the interview, too. I haven't heard it since we did it, and it's been over a year, right? More than that. So I listened to it Why again not, today, yeah. too, and it was really good.
2: Phil talk Sports will end with him and the comments saying uh, Parker Boudreaux and Cal Bloom, former UCF football players, part of WWE wrestling now out at the game last night. It was a who's who out there. Uh, Nick Anderson, former matchup player, no doubt there to see Penny Hardaway. Uh, coaching Memphis and, of course, uh, B.J. Taylor, who's good enough to join us every week. Hey, J.P. Gilbert, just a smidge over one hour, not two hours of denouncing a transfer portal on this show. Not at all. Guys, it's been fun. Mike, you're not going to be with us next week?
0: Is that the the case? I will not. I I... will be in Orlando, though. So If you see me walking around Epcot, don't say hello. Just uh, (laughs) smile and and keep it forward. Uh... I'm going to be too drunk
2: i was just gonna say that's not, that's not walking around epcot that's drinking around epcot, right? that's that's sampling the suds uh from different nations right
0: yeah that's, that's exactly what's on the itinerary so.
2: well adam and i will do our very best well, Trish, really to quickly by the
4: way did, did we get those hula bowl tickets given away? Giveaways? has yeah. that all been handled
2: yeah i handled all of that uh, had 10 pair of Uh, tickets. uh, Got all of those out. I want to thank everybody that uh, contacted me. Hula Bowl, going to see Mackenzie Milton out there. Cole Schneider, Mackenzie Milton showing off the uh, Florida State and UCF helmet. Uh, A nice touch uh, from him. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get and all that, but it is an opportunity to see him one last time in the Bounce House Saturday at noon.
4: Yeah, Mike and I w- wondered initially when this came out what what he would do with the helmet. Obviously, it's the Florida State helmet with the UCF sticker on, which makes sense. That's the helmet he was fitted for this year. That's the helmet he's been playing with. So it certainly makes sense. But, you know, he's got the UCF towel on. He's wearing the all-black pants, the all-black socks. Kind of reminds you of the old you know days of, uh, of him playing in the bounce house. So um, I know I'll be there. I can't wait for uh, him to get on the field. I think it'll be a cool moment. And uh, and just you just got to love how much he continues to rep UCF. And uh, it's been a, he's been a great ambassador for the school. So it's awesome to see and really great to see him one more time in the bounce house.
2: So if you see Adam stumbling around the bounce house, uh, you know, say hi.
4: I, got, I don't know the seltzer situation yet, so I can't confirm uh, a stumbleization uh, until I get a sense of the seltzer um, selection there.
2: I have not seen you stumbly, but I can picture Mike uh, like that. But I can't picture you like that
4: thank you <laughs> <laughs> compliments i guess <laughs> or i don't know if that's a knock at mike i don't really know uh, it, was, it, uh, it seemed uh, to be twofold it worked both ways
2: so all right guys it's been fun uh, appreciate uh, you watching from wherever you are tonight uh, for adam and mike uh, i'm trace troco this is the sons of ucf live go knights everyone Georgia.
4: sports social podcast network
5: 18 plus.